This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. It's sad, but it's true. What the architects of the police state want are submissive, compliant, cooperative, obedient, meek citizens who don't talk back, don't challenge a government authority, don't speak out against government misconduct, and don't step out of line. However, what the First Amendment protects and a healthy constitutional republic requires are citizens who routinely exercise their right to speak truth to power. It's not an easy undertaking, especially in today's world. Weaponized by police, prosecutors, courts, and legislatures, disorderly conduct charges have become a convenient means by which to punish those individuals who refuse to be muzzled. Fane Lawsman was arrested for alluding to government corruption during an open comment time at a city council meeting in Palm Beach County, Florida. Then there was Dan Heyman, a reporter for the Public News Service, who was arrested for aggressively, they said, questioning Tom Price, the Secretary of Department of Health and Human Services, during an encounter in the West Virginia State Capitol. Robert Bartlett was arrested during an Arctic Man Festival in Alaska, allegedly in retaliation for refusing to be interrogated by police and intervening when police attempted to question other people. His case is now before the U.S. Supreme Court. Cases like these have become all too common, typical of the bipolar nature of life in the American police state today. You have distinct protected rights on paper, but dare to exercise those rights, and you put yourself at risk for fines, arrests, injuries, or even death. Folks, this is the unfortunate price of freedom. Yet these are not new developments. We have been circling this particular drain hole for some time now. Almost 50 years ago, Lewis Colton was arrested outside Lexington, Kentucky for questioning police and offering advice to his friend during a traffic stop. Colton subsequently challenged his arrest as a violation of his First Amendment right to free speech and took the case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which sided with the police. Although the Supreme Court acknowledged that Colton was not trespassing or disobeying any traffic regulation himself, the majority of justices affirmed that Colton had no constitutional right to observe the issuance of a traffic ticket or to engage the issuing officer in conversation at that time. The Supreme Court's bottom line was this. Protecting police from inconvenience, annoyance, or alarm is more important than protecting speech that in the government's estimation has no social value. While the ruling itself was unsurprising for a court that tends to march in lockstep with the police, the dissent by Justice William O. Douglas is powerful. It's a powerful reminder that the government exists to serve the people and not the other way around. Stressing that Colton's speech was quiet, not boisterous, devoid of fighting words, and involved no overt acts, fisticuffs, or disorderly conduct in the normal meaning of words, Douglas took issue with the idea that merely by speaking to a government representative, in this case the police, a right enshrined in the First Amendment, by the way, Colton was perceived as inconveniencing and annoying the police. In a passionate defense of free speech, Douglas declared, and I'm quoting, Since when have we Americans been expected to bow submissively to authority and speak with awe and reverence to those who represent us? 
The constitutional theory is that we, the people, are the sovereigns. The state and federal officials only are agents. We who have the final word can speak softly or angrily. We can seek to challenge and annoy, as we need not stay docile and quiet. The situation might have indicated that Colton's techniques were ill-suited to the mission he was on, that diplomacy would have been more effective. But at the constitutional level, speech need not be a sedative. It can be disruptive, unquote. This is a power-packed paragraph full of important truths that the powers that be would prefer we quietly forget. And these are, we the people are the sovereigns. We have the final word. We can speak softly or angrily. We can seek to challenge and annoy. We need not stay quiet. Our speech can be disruptive. It can invite dispute. It can be provocative and challenging. We do not need have to bow submissively to authority or speak with reverence to government officials. In theory, we the people have a constitutional right to talk back to the government. In fact, the U.S. Supreme Court concluded as much in the case of City of Houston versus Hill when it struck down a city ordinance prohibiting verbal abuse of police officers as unconstitutionally overbroad and a criminalization of protected speech. In practice, however, talking back, especially when the police are involved, can get you killed. So folks, the danger is real. We live in an age when we the people are at the mercy of militarized, weaponized, immunized cops who have almost absolute discretion to decide who is a threat, what constitutes resistance, and how harshly they can deal with the citizens that they are appointed to serve and protect. While violent crime in America remains at an all-time low, the death toll as a result of police-sponsored violence continues to rise. In fact, more than 1,000 people are killed every year by police in America, more than any other country in the world. What we are dealing with is a nationwide epidemic of court-sanctioned police violence carried out against individuals posing little or no real threat. Police encounters have deteriorated so far that anything short of compliance, including behavior the police perceive as disrespectful or insufficiently deferential to their authority, threatening or resistant, can get you arrested, jailed, or killed. The problem, of course, is that compliance is rarely enough to guarantee one's safety. When police officers are allowed to operate under the assumption that their word is the law and that there is no room for any form of disagreement or even question, that serves to destroy the First Amendment's assurances of free speech, free assembly, and the right to petition the government for redress of our grievances. As I make clear in my book, Battlefield of America, The War on the American People, if there ever was a time to scale back on the mindset adopted by cops that they are the law and should be revered, feared, and obeyed, it is now. Tomorrow may be too late. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.